Good afternoon. Uh, here we are at the AGIF podcast. Uh, this afternoon we have David Townend. David is the general manager of Ramata Spring Country Club in Thailand. He is the founder and uh, managing director of Azalea Hospitality and also the vice president of the AGIF uh, joining us today. Uh, good afternoon, David. Afternoon, Eric, and uh, nice to be here with you uh, in the safety of home. <laughs> it is nice to be here. Thanks very much. Uh, David, can you, uh, for our listener, can you give us uh, some of your background in the golf industry, uh, what you've been, where you've been over the years, uh, your long-term and, and, and recent history? Sure. Um, my background, I came into the golf industry as a PGA professional in Australia. Um, I did my apprenticeship on the Gold Coast at Helensvale Golf Club and then started working for the Japanese when they were building golf resorts in the mid-1980s, uh, firstly at Royal Pines Resort. And in 1990, they sent me to Japan to for a year to increase my uh, Japanese business knowledge and, and uh, in the golf industry. And since then, I've stayed in Asia. So this year, I think, marks 30 years of working in Asia. I've been very fortunate throughout uh, my career to have been held some wonderful positions, uh, opening new facilities, uh, turning around facilities. Uh, I've worked with management groups from Starwood Hotels and Resorts to IMG and Troon. And uh, about three years ago, I started up my own business, uh, Azalea Hospitality. And currently, we, our, our client is Amata Spring Country Club. Fantastic. So in terms of Amata Springs and that you're managing that facility now, can you uh, describe the facility for those who don't know in terms of its facilities, its ownership and its uh, membership composition? Okay. Uh, Amata Spring is, is a 15-year-old facility. It opened in 2005. It's Smith Curley design. Uh, it was set up uh, by the, the shareholders uh, to be Thailand's world-class private club. So it's an exclusive private members facility. It's located halfway between Bangkok and Pattaya and sits within the largest industrial park in Southeast Asia, Amada Nakhon. Um, it's a members club which is based predominantly of Japanese members, probably about 55% of the membership base is Japanese, uh, given that inside the industrial park there are all the major companies like Daikin and Toyota and Mitsubishi and the like. Um, the golf course has been well known uh, since its inception for hosting professional events. Um, from its outset, it, it was the first golf course to take on board the Royal Trophy, uh, which was a, a, a famous event that was held between Europe and Asia. Uh, it did that event for five years and then it moved on and hosted other events like the Thailand Championship. Uh, which brought a lot of the U.S. and the European star players uh, to the facility. Uh, it's hosted the Asia-Pacific Amateur Championship, which was won by, at the time, the 13-year-old Chinese boy, Guan Tianlang. And recently, we also uh, created a new event uh, called the Amata Friendship Cup, which was the first of its kind mixed men and women match play event between Thailand and Japan. Um, golf course is probably uh, synonymous for its its most famous hole is the 17th, which is uh, a floating green, uh, which golfers have to uh, jump in a boat to go out to the green. So it sets itself apart uh, from a lot of the other facilities in that sense. It is a fantastic property. I've had the good fortune of, of playing and visiting there many times. Um, the can you describe generally the the COVID nineteen situation? 
uh, at your facility or in Thailand to start with, and then at your facility, what you're doing and, and what the practices are considering sure. the situation? Yeah. It's quite interesting because Thailand, if I'm not mistaken, was the first country outside of China to have a COVID case. Uh, obviously, a lot of uh, it, it came during the, the start of the year or the end of 2019, the start of this year. And Thailand is a hotspot for tourism. And definitely during that time of year, as, as, as wintertime hits up in the north, um, but it seemed like it was very well controlled and we saw the outbreaks happening more in other countries than it did in Thailand. Uh, it was only up until uh, late March that the government decided to start putting some, uh, some stronger measures in place. Prior to that, there were um, screening, health screening and things like that at the airport. But eventually when uh, the news came down through the golf courses, it started with Bangkok and the metropolitan area uh, with the golf courses closing. And then over the next seven to 10 days, the message started to filter around to the different provinces um, and we were forced to close our courses at that stage. But once the information started to come about and, and we started to learn more about this uh, uh, this virus, uh, naturally, we were all very quick, like the other golf courses, to start implementing temperature checking, uh, placing um, disinfectant and, and uh, san hand sanitizers in virtually every touch point in the club. Uh, we increased our housekeeping services. Um, so we've done that. We took every measure that we possibly could to ensure the safety of the, the golfers uh, and other people coming to the facility at the time. Uh, but once the news came that the golf course had to close and we had no choice but to uh, to let all our members know that uh, we weren't going to be open. And, and it was for at this point of time, it still remains an indefinite period. Uh, we weren't told that we had to close for two weeks or a month. Uh, we just were told that uh, we'd be informed again. So at this point of time, we're, we're waiting further information. We know that other uh, provinces of Thailand have been informed already that their courses are to remain closed. Uh, throughout this month of April, um, but we haven't received that information at this point of time. So basically you've been closed for a couple of weeks now. Um, is that uh, the situation? Correct. Yes, we've been closed now, just coming up just over two weeks now. And have you been, uh, what have you been doing to maintain the course and, and, and prepare for the return of your members? Well, I think compared with other regions that we've been talking about with the AGIF and, and uh, the challenges which some countries are facing, um, we haven't been uh, told that we couldn't bring our staff to work. So that's enabled us to continue on with our maintenance programs. Uh, we're entitled to bring in full staff, but what we've done is we've tried to split the staff up into two different shifts so that we reduce the numbers down, uh, which reduces the risk, of course. And uh, we pr practice as, as much as possible uh, all of the hygiene practices as well as social distancing. So throughout this two-week period, uh, we're actually, we were scheduled during, because we've just come to Songkran now, uh, we were scheduling to close the golf course for a couple of days to do some green and some fairway uh, verticutting and aeration. 
we've decided because of this opportunity of a, an extended uh, shutdown uh, to intensify that program. So we've pretty much gone through our entire golf course with a very extensive uh, renovation program of uh, verticutting, coring, top dressing, and we've just added in uh, a project that we were looking at later this year, which was the uh, renovation of all our bunkers uh, where we're installing eco bunker and, and sand trapper sand trapper in the bunkers because the golf course is now 15 years old uh, over time of course the the bunkers erode and wash away we had a lot of contamination in there so it was a good time for us to to move that project up we were unfortunately uh, we were scheduled to do a uh, remodeling of our 13th hole a, a par three hole on the course um, however, we've had to postpone that project because uh, the project involved uh, installation of a waterfall, uh, a creek which ran through the front of the, around the front of the green, and we were converting a large bunker into a lake. Uh, but the, water, the uh, waterfall and the rockwork expert was going to be coming from America, and with all of the restrictions and the quarantining, uh, it would have made it impossible to achieve that. So we've decided to defer that project until a later date. So you've uh, you've had the opportunity to do a lot of um, maintenance and, and renovation work that uh, you would not be able to do when you were full up for play. 100%. You know, when when uh, I started at Amata uh, three years ago, and at that time there was a, a, an opportunity that was required actually to go in and do a, a lot of this work that we're doing right now. But given our need to try and improve the performance of the business, uh, we were only able to do those works in very small, minor scale. Uh, so this was a great opportunity because normally where we'd be using you know, hollow tines of less than half an inch, uh, we were able to increase all of this to an inch uh, at this time uh, so that we could get a lot of the, the, the problem matters that we were facing uh, and we were dealing with, uh, we could do it in a much faster manner. That's fantastic. David, you know, being from Australia, I know you have a lot of contacts there. They've taken an interest, interesting model, I think, uh, outside of Victoria states the other states are allowing play under specific conditions um perhaps uh is that something that can be considered as time goes on when um, the the government is considering reopening facilities a, a sort of a model that uh, the thai golf courses could use uh to open and, and still maintain uh, a degree of safety well, we'd, we'd certainly love to be open. We'd love to be operating. Um, given the works that we've done on the golf course, it's, we're still a couple of weeks away from recovery and being back to the normal conditions that we present the course to our members in. Um, but Australia is an interesting case because, uh, as we unfortunately saw, there was a bit of mixed messaging coming out uh, between Golf Australia and the uh, local governments uh, in each of the states. Um, one message came out saying that the golf courses had to close, but then state governments re recorrected that and said that golf courses could remain open as long as the 
maximum number of golfers playing in one group was only two players. Uh, tee times were extended to 10 minutes or more apart. Um, and pretty much all of the clubhouse facilities were shut down except for takeaway from the, the restaurant. Um, we certainly believe that that could have still been an option uh, for those countries such as Thailand that, that's closed down. Uh, and we certainly hope that, uh, you know, maybe through some some better communication between, um, you know, organizations within each of these Asian countries uh, to the government, uh, that we can be one of those businesses that can get itself back up and running as quickly as possible. Uh, golf, unfortunately, has very high fixed costs. Uh, to maintain golf courses. Um, it's not like a football field. Um, mm. and as such, we, we really need to get these golf courses open because we carry a lot of overheads uh, with staff. It's, it's difficult um, to, to, to uh, you know, continue to pay whilst there's no revenues coming through the door. Yeah, on, on that point, I, I think uh, the point that golf courses and facilities are high-maintenance, high-cost facilities and your experience around the region for many, many years, do you have any forecast of how how a lot of these facilities are going to react? Do you have any, is there any sort of message to facilities that are, are embedded in this COVID-19 as far as best practices, et cetera? I know every facility is different, being a private members or public or resort course, mm-hmm. but what do you think the, the, the outtake or the result of this will be in some in some places? Well, if I look into a crystal ball, I hope that everybody who is a golfer uh, is is anxious to get back out on the golf course once they can. And as such, you know, I, I would like to see that golf courses, um, you know, encourage play as much as possible, but try not to do that through discounting. I don't think that that's going to be the stimulus to get golfers back onto the golf course, but motivating them through other manners uh, of of upselling and and offering other benefits to the facility um, may be a better way than reducing price. And unfortunately, we've seen this uh, in in previous crises uh, that have happened throughout Asia from 97s, the Asian crisis uh, to the 2008 GFC, um, and and so on. We've we've seen that a lot of golf courses have have spiraled down because they quickly went to the discounting model, um, thinking that right, this will drive more players through the door. But then it's very hard to increase your price once you've reduced it. And I think we're going to be, you know, looking at how hotels deal with it. Uh, one of the things which I did notice over the the period of things starting to slow down over throughout March in the region was hotels retained their prices. They didn't they didn't go into a price uh, war with each other because I think they realized that the, the, the customers were were coming. There's no point in fighting for a, a small handful of customers. Still try and deliver the same level of experience uh, that you can. So. Fingers crossed, uh, you know, uh, straight after the golf courses start opening, uh, people will be lining up to play. But don't don't take it as uh, as a method to try and discount them to get them to your golf course. Yeah, I think that's a great message that we're always trying to put out across the market as far as maintaining your yield within your facility. So that would be that is a great message. Um, before we sign off, David, I want to thank you for your time. But do you have any final thoughts, uh, anything that we missed, anything you'd like to express uh, about your thoughts about this current crisis or the industry in general? 
Look, I think this has been a great time for us to start looking at new practices. Um, within the AJF, we as a board um, have, have all bound together and started communicating, I think, more than we may have in the past. And we started looking at new ways to do our business. Uh, we know that education is very important in our industry. And as such, uh, we're looking at how we can start to do these things more through online courses and that, because this is going to be beneficial for us anyway in the future when we start looking at many of these countries which are a little bit more remote or may not have the, the, the funds to be able to send people uh, to certain destinations to attend training classes. So looking at that is, is an important thing for the industry, but it's important for each of the facilities. We want to see that clubs don't use this opportunity to communicate more with their, their, their customers. Uh, grab your databases, anything that you've been building up over time that's been sitting in the back of the house and the offices, tidy these things up and start utilizing. There's so many free uh, applications and, and networks that you can get to to expand your message. Send out positive messages. Use your golf pros at your clubs to do lessons. Use your chefs in the kitchen to do cooking classes and post these things on social media. Keep your because your customer base is is very important. This is a time where people don't want to be listening to all the negative news day in day out from morning to to sun, sunset. Um, so there's a lot of things that we can be doing at this time. But the most important thing is communicate more. Uh, reach out to your the, the golf course in your area. Um, I know a lot of golf courses uh, and within a cluster area, sometimes the, the general managers don't know each other. The superintendents don't know each other. The golf managers don't know each other. So this is a great time for everybody to reach out and say, hey, let me introduce myself to you because, you know, we're a stronger industry if we're more united. David, that's an awesome message to end on of hope and cooperation. I think there is a great opportunity to uh, to work better together. And uh, I thank you very much for your time um, and today. And uh, I wish your family uh, be safe and well. And I hope to see you. I know we're on the phone a lot, uh, but I, I hope to be able to see you in person uh, sooner rather than later. Absolutely. Thank you, Eric. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, David.